0: Congratulations, you've just received that big promotion, and now you need to manage the people you've been going to lunch with and hanging out with for the last six years. How to navigate that? On today's show, my friend Tom Henschel and I discuss how to manage former peers. This is Coaching for Leaders, Episode 257.
1: Produced by Innovate Learning, Maximizing Human Potential.
0: Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stehoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show will give you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to help you develop your leadership skills. And if you're just joining for the first time, welcome. And if you're returning, Listen to the show. I'm so glad to have you back. And I'm thrilled that you joined today's conversation because I have with me a dear friend who's returning to the show from a number of appearances and is also one of my favorite people in the coaching world. And that is Tom Henschel. And Tom and I are here today to talk about a topic that both of us have navigated with clients in the past. And in particular, I've received a lot of questions on in the recent past on this question of how do you step into a management role where you are leading people who were formerly your peers. And as Tom and I were talking about today's conversation, I think both of us realized that this isn't something that is often talked about, yet it is a reality that many of us navigate when we are uh, promoted for the first time, or maybe even promoted up into higher levels of leadership. And so I'm really glad to welcome Tom. He's an executive coach and is also the host of the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast. It's my favorite podcast on leadership. I never missed an episode. He recently completed his 100th episode of The Look and Sound of Leadership. Tom, I remember when I started airing Coaching for Leaders, listening to your show, and thinking to myself, it would be so cool to get to even have a conversation with that guy someday. <laughs> and now sure. uh, you and I talk all the time, which is uh, which time. is so fun. Yeah, it welcome is. back. Well, I'm I'm so glad to be back. Thanks. Well, this is when you and I were talking initially. We were thinking that this this is one of those realities that leaders tend to navigate at some level, if not. Immediately and at some point in their careers. And yet, it's one of those things that sometimes we'll get some advice from a colleague or a, or a mentor, but it, there's not a lot of information out there on how to navigate this problem.
1: I agree. And I think it's a great observation on your part. Yes, I, I
0: hadn't thought about it, but yeah, there isn't a lot about it. Let's look at this issue holistically today. I mean, this is one of those things that I, I think a lot of times for a lot of us and I know for me this was certainly the case when I ran into this a bit in my career is it's one of those things that not only is there not a lot of lot out there it's one of those things i don't think you even really think much about until you're in the situation and running into challenges with it it's just kind of one of those things that hits a lot of us is like oh i just you know i was <laughs> i've been friends with this person for a year five years in the workplace and then all of a sudden i'm now i'm now managing this person and how do I make that shift and make that transition? And I'm curious, Tom, what are maybe some of the things that you've run into when you've worked with clients over the years who have are maybe navigating that or or running into challenges with this? Just on the most
1: basic level to start with, I think it's emotional. I think it's emotional for the person who's getting the promotion and the fear is that it's emotional for everybody else around that, you know, around him or her. So I think that's the first part is just like, it can feel creepy in some ways or, or fearful. Are people still going to like me or are they going to you know, think bad of me or, oh my gosh, now I'm going to have to kind of step up and, you know, I'm going to have to really be tough with those people now and I'm going to lose my friendships. I just think there's all this self-talk that happens and that's the triggering part that can, I think can make the transition very, very bumpy.
0: Well, and one of the things you pointed out to me when we were first talking about this topic is that there's just a reality of how people tend to respond around you if you are promoted up and they have worked with you in the past. And, and, mm. and there's, there's a certain number of people that are, <laughs> tend to be in one camp and a certain number of people that tend to be in another camp. Right. How, do you, how do you see that? I think it can be really healthy to just assume that it's going to look like a bell
1: curve. There's going to be a big hump of people in the middle, about 60%, who are willing to go either way. They're willing for you to have the job. They're willing for you to prove yourself. They're not going to sabotage you, but they're not your cheerleaders either. And then on one end of the bell curve, there's probably going to be about 20% of the people who really are going to be your cheerleaders. They're glad for you and, you know, yay. And then there's 20% of the people on the other end of the bell curve are pissed or fearful or, you know, they are withholding their support and maybe even sabotaging or talking negatively. I think it's actually probably realistic to just assume that there's a mix of people. Part of what I think can be helpful about that is not everybody's all one way, that you don't paint the entire company or everybody around you as everybody hates me or everybody loves me. I think both of those are unrealistic. So to have a kind of idea that well, there's probably a mix. I think that can be healthy. And then one of the questions I have is which part of the population do you want to put your focus on? Do you want to focus on the 20% of the people who are unhappy? Do you want to focus on 20% of the people who are your cheerleaders? Or do you want to focus your attention on the bell curve
0: and winning those people over?
1: Uh, And I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think I'm talking about being intentional.
0: Yeah. And and you had pointed out to me that sometimes that the people who are in the 20% zone who are your cheerleaders may not be in six months depending on how things transition with the role and, and vice versa. The people who are maybe the fence sitters may go one way or the other depending on how things move forward in the first 90 days, six months. I think that idea
1: is comforting it, that just to, to believe that whatever's going on today is not permanent In 90 days, it'll look different. In a year, it will look different. There may be some people that you never went over, but the truth is, whatever's going on today, if it's causing disruption, it's not gonna last forever. And by the way, if there's a big honeymoon going on, that's not gonna last forever either. So I just think it's, again, part of the self-talk. Don't assume everybody feels one way, and don't assume it's gonna last forever. Again, kind of be thoughtful, intentional, it also gives you a little bit of scope. It gives you a little bit of distance. So you're not so up close with it and going home every day going, well, she said this to me today. And you know, you, it kind of gets you out of that. It's like,
0: oh, it's all going to change. It's all going to be okay. Which is not a bad orientation for leadership in general. <laughs> right, it's not. <laughs> that belief that we can affect change and that things are changeable and expectations change. So that's good.
1: And whether we do it or not, time is going to take care of part of it. Just things are gonna evolve. People are gonna change. It's inevitable. So if you did nothing, it'll still be different in ninety days.
0: Oh, indeed. And I'm thinking back to a recent question we uh, we responded to on the show, Tom, on a Q and A show, of someone who was concerned about how uh, some peers would react to leaving an organization and moving on to a different organization, and it and it was sounded like a very good move career wise. And yet sometimes even that long term good move for us, we we can be very hesitant to do because we know we're gonna go through that short term people not being happy about us or not feeling like we made the right choice. And uh and, and yet a lot of that disappears <laughs> with time of people are on to the next thing in a couple of weeks if, you know, the news of the day has passed. Yeah. And I think this confusion
1: that that you just talked about it, I think, in a way that's, that's just a good example, this whole idea of, you know, am I comfortable? So when I think about this whole issue, this issue of I suddenly now need to manage my peers, I just got a promotion, and so I'm now different from the person who used to be my friend, and we used to eat lunch together every day, and now I'm going to be her boss, You know, I think that there's three big parts, but the very first part, which is so critical, is you managing yourself, all the self-talk that goes into it, all the feelings of, you know, do I deserve this? And I think if you can't get past that, I think you put energy in the workplace that is not going to be ultimately helpful for you. The analogy that I have about this is it's like what we say about animals. Certainly horses. If you get on a horse and you're scared about riding, the horse knows that. And the horse now is going to behave badly. And some horses become aggressive. Some horses become stubborn. Some horses, you know, whatever. But they are picking it up from you. Whereas if you get in the saddle and you go, I know how to ride. I'm going to do this. I may not be the best rider, but I know how to do this. I'm the human. You're the horse. (laughs) Get with the program. (laughs) I deserve to be here, the horse actually is better behaved. Now, I'm not trying to say your peers, the people who you're now managing are horses. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to talk about the self-management piece, the self-talk piece that says, I deserve the job. And if you
0: can't get to that, I don't think things go as easily as they could. Well, this is a really important point because I think when I think of, positions I've transitioned into, Tom, and, and working with others is it, there's kind of like a fine line here of, how do I have that self-talk that's positive, at yet the same time not being arrogant by any means? But, but there is that fear that's naturally there when taking on a new role that I think many of us feel like we're navigating. How have you found that when you've worked with people over the years who are making this transition... Is there anything they do or say or any practice that you find is helpful on, on getting into that, that healthier zone of, yeah, I may be fearful, but I also feel deserving at the same time?
1: Well, if you can live with that duality, that and, right, I, I deserve and I have some fear, uh, I think that sounds like a really sophisticated, intelligent mind. So if you have that, I go, that sounds terrific. And again, you won't be fearful in 90 days. You'll be that much further into it. I think what we're really talking about here is being able to manage your self-talk, be conscious of it. If you need to get out of bed every morning and look in the mirror and give yourself a pep talk, do it. Do what you need to do to show up at work the way you would want your leader to show up at work. Mm -hmm. The truth is nobody's holding a gun to your head to take this promotion. You said yes. And what I would ask you is, did you say yes because you thought you were an imposter and you just like wanted a bump in pay or you wanted a better title on your business card? Is that really why you said yes? I I just find that unlikely. I suppose it's possible, but I, I don't think that's why most people do it. I think most people feel like, yes, this is my next step and this is good. And now I need to manage the people
0: around me. But first you need to manage yourself. I love the so, and. I love the huh. way you frame that because that's so true for how, <laughs> how human beings react in these situations, right? So yeah, it's, it's well, not that I'm gonna walk-in feeling 100% confident, nor, nor should I. At the same time, if I walk in like getting on the horse, like you said, and, and I'm totally fearful at the same time too, that's also not going to go well. Right. If I've got a sense of deserving, I belong here. I, I may not
1: be as good a leader as I'm going to be in six months or a year, but I deserve the role. Everything I've done leads to this. This is appropriate. Then it also, I think on some level gives you the capacity to say, I can deal with anything that comes my way. Uh, Again, I won't be great. I'll be better in a year. I'll be better in five years, but I deserve this role. I'm capable. I can do this. I think if you start with that, so much of the other stuff goes away because that's, Really what you kind of wake up with and go to bed with every night is I deserve this. I'm, I'm ready for this challenge. It also helps you. I'm going to guess you've talked about it on coaching for leaders and I know I've talked about it on the look and sound of leadership is the idea of not taking things personally. That if, if I really deserve to be here, yeah, there's going to be some bad behavior. There's going to be people on that 20% of the bell curve. I understand. And that's okay. It doesn't mean I'm not doing my job. It doesn't mean I don't deserve the job. It means they're having an issue, and they're separate from me, and that's okay. I'm not going to take it personally. And that, I think, could be very helpful, too, so that it keep, gives you a little distance.
0: I think it's helpful. Well, and that's actually a really good transition into thinking about some of the management pieces of this. And when you and I were talking, Tom, about this topic, one of the things that both of us... Have I know given advice to people before is when you're in that new role and you are managing someone that you've been peers with maybe for a long period of time, that it's helpful to have a conversation about it. And I realized after talking with you, though, I'd never... I'd never talked with a a client about how to have that conversation. So we'd we'd always agreed like, oh, you should have a conversation, but then (laughs) we never really provided much guidance even on the show. And so you had some really helpful thoughts on how to frame that conversation of like, what do you do during that time? Could you share that with us? Sure. You know, picturing myself in that
1: situation, if suddenly I, You know, one day I am your boss, Dave, where you and I have been buddies, we've been friends, we've been peers, we kind of came up together, and suddenly I'm going to be your boss. Oh, my gosh. Things are different. I would like it if I could sit down with you at some point and acknowledge that we both have feelings about this. So now, by the way, we're back to the very first thing we talked about in the first couple of minutes, right, is that this situation has feelings attached to it. And I don't often think that we as adults are fantastic at having conversations about our feelings. But what I would recommend is, so I'm going to sit down with you, Dave, and I'm going to say, Dave, wow, here we are, right? I'm I'm suddenly your boss, and I'm really glad for the job, but I can imagine you have lots of feelings about it. I'm just curious, like, how are you about the fact that I got the position and then I would shut up. Now, again, you might come forward and you might tell me everything you're thinking. You might, you might not, but I think there's benefit in two things. Number one, acknowledging that the feelings exist. I might even acknowledge my own feelings. That would be a good thing, but allowing you to talk about yours. That's number one. And number two, listening. You may not tell me everything today, but that I'm going to be in a position as
0: your boss and I'm not going to do a lot of telling with you. I'm going to do a lot of listening with you. Mm. I love that perspective because I think my tendency of going into that situation would probably have been to say more (laughs) and not to think to step back and to let that other person talk, like you said, if if they choose to. I really like that advice. I think this whole communication
1: issue around that there's been a change, I think it's critical. And you've got multiple audiences that need it from you. So I hope it's intentional. I hope you plan it. Some of it's going to be one-on-one. You know, you and I are going to talk together. But some of it's going to be with groups, small groups, large groups, whatever, depending on, you know, what the organization is and what the structure is. But I'm going to really need to think about this communication piece quite a bit. Yeah. And, and having it initially with the one-on-one, it may also, it may help me identify who's where on the bell curve, right? Because you might be tight-lipped. You might sit back in your chair with your arms crossed, folded across your chest and your lips all tight and you might not say anything. And I guess I can figure you're in the 20% of the people who are not happy about this. It's like, okay, I'm glad to know that. I don't have to change your mind about it today. My job is not to kind of persuade you. This is not a campaign. I have the job. And I deserve the job. But I'm glad to know. I'm glad to know where you stand. And I get to decide whether I'm going to pay attention to you and spend a lot of time and try and make it easier for you or whether I'm actually going to go to the other end of the bell curve and work with the people who are already my fans. Whatever. Now I know. I'm
0: not going to take it personally. I love that framing of it's not a campaign. Like you already have the job. So you're, I, I think you're generally almost never going to make a lot of progress or do good for yourself or the organization by sitting there and trying to convince people that you know they should be in your camp or whatever else the argument is. Yeah. And quite the contrary. So
1: I just want to kind of, Track the conversation for a second, you know, we started with the first bucket, which was deserving and now we're in the second bucket called managing and here's the second part of managing to me, which is in addition to this conversation of look, there's feelings here and I want to acknowledge mine. I want to acknowledge yours. Let me know how you are. Where are you on the bell curve? All that. But then I also think it's important that I tell you part of my job. I'm now in a position to give you feedback. Things have changed and I'm going to give you feedback. Because someday I'd like you to have this job, and I'm going to move on. I would like to develop you. I would like to promote you. So I'm going to be working with you, and part of that means I'm going to give you feedback. How many shows have you done on feedback? A lot. <laughs> no kidding. Me too. I mean, it's hard. It's tough. It's something that we all need to learn. And I you know, I often joke and say as an executive coach, my job is to give feedback. That's what I do for a living. But I've learned it over the years, you know, 20 plus years of coaching people. I've, I've really learned about feedback and I know it's not easy, but now as a manager, it is part of your job. And I want to tell you that when you have somebody's best intention in heart, when you really want them to be better, you give them feedback. You know, you do it with your kids. I mean, if you coach your little league or whatever, it doesn't do any good to not give feedback. Your kids won't learn anything that season. So It's the same thing here for you as the manager. Yeah, tell them, I'm going to be giving you feedback now. That's my job now. Yeah. Also, I'm going to be creating accountability, like I'm going to run meetings differently or whatever it is that you have. Tell them, tell them. Don't do it by accident and assume people will just catch on. I think that's part of being a manager is letting them know where the changes are going to be and that you've thought about them. And again, they're going to fit some people, they're not going to fit others, but it's your style of managing.
0: Speaking of emotions, which you've mentioned a couple of times already, Tom, which I I think is so critical to acknowledge. Um, I'm I'm just thinking back to my own journey early on in my career in getting promoted and, and moving to a different location is even for oneself and moving up and, and getting that position that you really wanted, which I remember I did at the time, there was still a sense of, along with all the positive things that came along with that, there was still a sense of, I don't know if I'd go as far to use the word grief, but um, there's a ending of some previous relationships, of some previous mm-hmm. peer relationships, at least in the version that they were at the time and yeah. i i do think there's a sense here of it it is very complicated in that on one hand all this positive things happen you're moving forward in your career but you're also navigating some of that fear and that some loss of 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 a relationship and how it was for in some cases and i've worked with clients who've been you know 5 10 15 years working together as peers and then all of a sudden one of them is moved into a new role and there is a there is a bit of loss there that I think it's it it's good to acknowledge to oneself and and like you've just said of of also acknowledging the changing dynamics within that relationship too.
1: I agree. Listen, I I think it's I think grief is natural. Also, by the way, <laughs> it's the burden that you take on. Like, wow, I I'm the boss now, and so I'm carrying a heavier load. And there's grief for like, oh, it used to be easier. You know, a month ago, my life was easier. This is harder now. So yes, the oh. relationships change, all kinds of things change. And along with change, I agree with you. Often comes grief or some sense of ambiguity that makes me uncomfortable or uncertainty or now I'm a learner again. I don't feel as smart as I felt a month ago. All of that. I think all of that is true. It It is an upheaval for them, those people around you, and for you, the person who's getting the promotion. I agree.
0: I was talking mm-hmm. with a client a few months ago, Tom, and he was at a stage in his career where he had moved on to a lot of additional responsibility, and um, we were talking about what was going on in the workplace. And through the conversation, we we came to the point, I think, eventually, where uh, there wasn't really anything different he should do in the workplace. It was a season of time where things were just difficult and learning new things and some of the grief we were just talking about. And we sort of figured out that one of the best things he could do was actually not to put more attention on it in the workplace, but to put more attention in some other areas of his life and to have other things that he was enjoying in life outside of work and in friendships and relationships and hobbies that would balance some of that out a bit where he could have a little bit more peace and a little bit more stability. And uh, I remember us using the analogy of an airplane, of, of flying a single-engine airplane versus Flying on a jumbo jet. If if you are flying on a single engine plane and the engine goes down, that's Hmm. a real problem. (laughs) If you're flying on a jumbo jet and there's four engines and one goes down, it's not as big a deal. And we looked at his situation of like, how do you broaden some of the just the emotional ups and downs by putting some time and energy into things not going on in the workplace. And he he found that to be really helpful. And I've I found that also to be helpful in my own career of like, if I get too fixated on this going on in my career at this point in my life, and I, I don't pay enough attention to other areas of my life, I can get way too caught up in the ups and downs of the, the the that transition time.
1: I think that's great. It's great advice in general. It reminds me, this is a little off topic, but it reminds me of advice I got when I was a very young actor. At one of my very first auditions here in Los Angeles, I was auditioning at the music center and there was a wonderful casting director there. So I was fresh faced. I was out of Juilliard and I came in all, you know, eager for my audition and I did my audition. And then the casting director, this very nice guy named Gordon Hunt said to me, so what are you doing now? And I was like, what? He said, well, now that the audition's over, what are you going to do? And I was like, "Uh, I don't know. I thought I was like failing a test. I couldn't figure out why he was asking me. And then he gave me this amazing piece of advice. He said, look, don't ever make your audition the high point of a day. Always have something to go to afterwards. And I thought, oh my gosh, I get it. Don't focus on that one thing and make it so important. And that's kind of what you're talking about here is, yes, you have gotten a promotion. Yes, your life has changed. Yes, there's a lot that's, that's different. But it's not the center of your life. It's a part of your life. And keep it appropriate. Manage it appropriately. So I think... I, all of these analogies, the jet plane, all that—it does help keep it in perspective.
0: E- easier said than done, though, and Agreed. And particularly, and I don't know how. Certainly, in North America and here in America, in the states, our, our business culture and our even society culture is very much—you know—you are your job, and a lot of us tend to identify very personally with our positions and our organizations, and. And and sometimes in not a very healthy way, <laughs> our society's telling us like, oh, you know, what do you do? Is one of the first questions many of us get when we run into someone for the first time or have an introduction. Well, and so it's a it's it's a hard thing to navigate. Well, but I
1: want to be clear in terms of the topic you and I are talking about today. The piece that says now I'm managing people who used to be my peers. I think people can get focused on that because it has emotional hooks. It may have grief. You may feel under attack unappreciated, you may feel like a victim, all those feelings, I think that's what keeps us hooked in, right? It's not just about our job. Because look, if if I said to you, stop worrying about the people and start doing your job, make your commitment to the company, you know, manage and lead, the people will take care of themselves, that changes things a little bit. That makes that takes the emotion out of it and it becomes actually a little bit easier, I think. Yeah. And that's why these last two buckets, the manage bucket, which we've been talking about a little bit, and the third bucket for me, which is about leading, I think, I think they can help you, again, feel like you do deserve the job. They can lessen the emotion a little bit so you don't get so hooked in. So you put more engines on your plane, to go back to your analogy.
0: Yeah. So how do you see the distinction between the managing piece and then the leading when you're thinking about helping people through this transition?
1: Well, I think the managing piece is things like, I'm going to be giving you feedback. Here's what I'm going to be doing with our meetings now. Here's how I'm going to be creating accountability and being able to have accountability conversations with people who you used to work next to, but now you need to hold them accountable. That's all the managing stuff. I think the leading stuff goes to issues like fairness. I think fairness is one of the things we all worry about. Am I going to be, you know, now I got promoted. Am I going to get power hungry? Am I going to be a bully? Am I going to be unfair? Am I going to lose my perspective? And certainly I think it's what the people who I used to manage are worried about with me is like, is he going to become, you know, insane with power? Is he going to punish me? I mean, and now he's going to know things like he's going to know how much money I make, right? Is he going to be fair and appropriate? Here's something else about leading and, and this may be a cause for grief, which is now, if I'm if I'm promoted and you and I used to be peers, there are things now, Dave, that I cannot talk with you about anymore. Mm. Like like I cannot talk with you anymore about my boss, and you and I used to go to lunch and we used to rag on the boss. Well, now I can't. It's not appropriate, and I cannot talk with you about the our coworkers. Well, they used to be. They're still your coworkers. But now they're not my coworkers anymore. I've been promoted. I can't talk with you about them. Or by the way, I might go to a meeting and find out a piece of information that's going to affect the job in 90 days. I can't tell you. And often that causes a great amount of stress for people of like, oh, it's not fair or I'm keeping secrets or I'm, but it's like, that's the burden of leadership. And for you to talk about that stuff is inappropriate. It's inappropriate to not be loyal to the business, but be loyal to the people who used to be your peers and and kind of screw up your boundaries. That's a leadership issue, I think. On the plus side, as a leader, I think one of the things you get to say to your people is, I'm going to advocate for you now. Or, by the way, to come and say, I'm advocating for our group. I'm going to get us different work, or I'm going to make our work better, or... Or maybe I'm going to advocate for the business. I'm going to provide opportunities. That's the positive part of being the leader. Again, the day that I get the promotion, I may not be able to think of all that stuff.
0: But of course, now that they hear our podcast, they will. <laughs> Indeed, and I really like thinking about this. From a yes, let's acknowledge that there's a there's a, this transition time for a few weeks or a few months. And, and I, I also really like the long-term, like, how do I really frame how I'm going to lead and thinking about advocating for people and bringing people up. And I think part of this is a decision of where I'm going to put my energy as a leader, but also as a human being into relationships. if I could get really focused and concerned with the 20% of people that don't like me and, and, and buy into that fear and that those political things. Or I can spend a lot more of my time focused on thinking about how I'm going to lead well and advocate well for people and now really take on this role, especially as you know the transition time goes on and bring people up. And I have a client in a class right now, Tom, who was in this situation a year ago or so who had worked with, um, there's, there's two people actually I'm working with right now in a class who they were peers and one of them got promoted into management within the last year and in watching their interactions, it's just really neat to see how the manager has chosen clearly to be the kind of a person and the kind of a leader who is really looking out for her former peer, now employee. And they've just developed such a wonderful working relationship together. She's an advocate for her. They're both doing things to support each other in their in their new relationship. And it very much strikes me as a very healthy exciting choice that that leader has made to be an advocate and to be very fair and to have the appropriate boundaries like you were just talking about that. And I think that's a really great place to aim for.
1: I'm so glad. What a nice story. That's that's great. I think this leadership piece also, I, I don't know if you've seen it. I've heard this story more than once, which is, you know, somebody gets promoted, the person who's left behind is hurt or angry or maybe they were in competition for the job or whatever but over time let's say in a year or 18 months the person who was quote unquote left behind the person who didn't get the promotion actually goes you're a great boss I was angry in the beginning but you really won me over yeah I think it does happen in the beginning when things are hard and that person is angry and whatever you know it's a difficult time it's not fun but i do think that people can change and grow and transition clearly what you observed in your class is somebody who felt i don't know very comfortable in their own skin to yeah. allow that to happen i mean it sounds like they really showed up in a way where whatever whatever the peers were the prior peers were going to feel was going to be okay
0: and oh. i'm i'm glad i'm glad that Sounds like a really grown-up person. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm so I'm so impressed with her, both of them, because what you just mentioned a moment ago was totally me, Tom. I'm 15 years, 15, 16 years ago, however long it was. I was passed up for a promotion at one point, and someone else who was a peer within the region, not in my direct area, I didn't know very well, but was moved into my location and promoted over me and was in the role I thought I was getting to be getting, and I I didn't have a lot of warm feelings toward her at the very beginning of the relationship. And to your point earlier of it's not personal, <laughs> I didn't even know her really, but just right. by the fact that she was the person coming in who was taking the role that I thought I should be taking set up, in at least in my mind, of this, you know, who is this person and a little bit of animosity. And fast forward six months a year, I I was literally just, I was so talk about grief, <laughs> when we when she ultimately left the company and I I was just so sad to see her go because we developed such a close relationship and and we still keep in touch today. In fact, she's been a guest wow. on the show. And, oh, nice. And it totally changed. But it was one of those things like if either of us had sort of bought into that, like here's how I'm framing this first week or two and had not had that longer term perspective, especially her, I, I think it probably would have not ended that way. and And, as a result of her having that long-term perspective and showing up for to lead well and to really advocate and to be fair, it did wonderful things, not only for us but also for the organization at the time. and i'm I'm so grateful that 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 happened. and it did it went the way it did.
1: you know, I'll tell you what this sounds like to me. You know fifteen, sixteen year years ago, you weren't as mature as you are today. And it sounds like she showed up in a way that actually was pretty mature, where she wasn't rattled by your discontent. And the the analogy that it sounds like to me is, you know, when I talk with people who have young kids, where, you know, there's days when it's like, I can't believe I lost my temper at my four-year-old. Like, he's four. What am I, why am I angry at my four-year-old, right? But it happens. Yeah. And I, I think for us to be the adult and kind of talk ourselves down and not get hijacked and all that. It's funny. I think we're looping back to where we started this idea of, look, if I really deserve this job, if that's the core issue, I can always remember that in the same way that I can say to myself, you know, I'm the grown up in the relationship. I'm the parent. He's a four year old. He's supposed to be acting like this. I'm not that I think that kind of self-talk, managing yourself, right? I mean, what's harder than managing yourself, right? It's easy to manage others by
0: comparison. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, I'm still trying to figure out how you know that I lost temper with our four-year-old yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) My cameras are all on you,
1: believe me. It's that drone outside your window.
0: Oh, it's nice to know I'm not the only one. Right. Well, speaking of which, we certainly don't have all the wisdom on this topic. And I think it'd be also helpful for us to uh, maybe chat for a moment on what other resources are out there for people who are navigating this and and, and moving into a new role and and maybe running into some of these situations. And you and I had both thought of the book, the first 90 days. I have not right. read it. Bonnie has read it and has recommended it many times over the years and has found it really helpful. So that might be a, a recommendation for us, for for people. Um, have you had much experience with the book, Tom? I'm sorry, I can't remember. if I have. And it it is,
1: again, not every part of the book is going to work for every person, but it is going to be very, very helpful. It's going to make you think of things you have not thought of it's it's great and it's just going to give you a perspective on oh that's right I'm in a new role what is involved it's very very helpful and it's an easy friendly read you know it's not difficult michael watkins harvard business review press it's 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 great another resource that i would give especially if people are concerned around the deserving part is working with one of nathaniel brandon's books on self esteem so you might do self esteem at work or you might do the six pillars of self-esteem. Uh, Brandon's work, I think, what he writes and how he thinks about self-esteem is profound. But his writing exercises that are in the back of his books are transformative. They are just wonderful gifts.
0: Oh, fabulous! I had n- so, I have not heard of him, so oh I will really? Have to check oh that man,
1: out. I love his stuff, and I, yeah. So, so there you go, Nathaniel Brandon, self-esteem at work, or the six pillars of
0: self-esteem. Well, and I'll throw in a recommendation myself, which is to listen to Tom's show if you're (laughs) looking for a very consistent, well-produced, incredibly well-thought through episode every month. Um, Tom, you air your shows monthly, and it's 10 to 15 minutes every month, uh, the first Thursday of the month. And I always listen. Tom has so much experience of working with so many senior leaders across the country and across the world. And it just brings a wealth of wisdom in every show. And I just love, Tom, how you package each episode, how you bring in examples. You often bring in a particular conversation you've had with a client in the past and how they've navigated something. I always take something away from the shows and and almost always put it into practice immediately and just the work I'm doing. So I, I strongly recommend it as a great compliment to what you're listening to here on coaching for leaders because i i think not only is it well done but it also uh, you, you approach it from a slightly different perspective on how you teach and i just uh, you're just masterful at doing that so thank you so much for being uh, such a great resource in that way
1: i'm honored and i am grateful for your support you know you and i've talked before how many people reach out to me and say i heard about you from dave stachowiak and it's like okay that's great so so thank you i appreciate it i'm
0: very grateful well, as you know, I am on a quest to get everyone who's listening to coaching for leaders listening to your show too. So I'm always glad. I'm always glad when I get those emails from you of like, yes, <laughs> I've I've got, got another, another got another person connected. <laughs> Tom, I'm so grateful for your time. Thanks so much for making time to uh, be on the show again. And I do hope folks will go check out the look and sound of leadership. And looking forward to our next conversation. Me too. Thanks, Dave. One of the best ways to get access to all the things Tom and I discussed today, the resources, the links, is to join my weekly leadership guide that always includes the weekly show notes for the Monday episodes, and it also includes my handpicked resources for leadership That will come in your inbox on Wednesdays, and you can join that at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And in addition, when you join, you'll get access right away to my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that will help you to get better results from others. So join up with the rest of us at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe to get access. And speaking of subscribing, if you haven't already checked out Tom's show, The Look and Sound of Leadership. It's a 10 to 15 minute listen a month. It is a fabulous companion to this show. And I've had so many of our listening community members over the last few years email me and say thank you so much for introducing Tom's show. Tom's also been incredibly gracious to mention Coaching for leaders on his show. And I know we have a number of people who are a part of our community because they came from the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast originally. So thank you to all of you who found this show through Tom as well. I certainly would encourage you to listen. And speaking of resources from Tom, Tom appeared on this show three times previously <laughs> that, that I could uh, count at least. And uh, all of those past episodes are also extremely helpful in the context of today's conversation. And those three episodes are episode 107, Three Steps to Soliciting Feedback. Tom's thoughts in that episode on what you can do as a leader to get good Feedback from others, a great listen, and a very simple and straightforward model on how to do that. That's episode 107. Coaching for Leaders episode 164 was also with Tom, how to handle a boss who's a jerk. (laughs) So if you find yourself in that situation, I certainly hope you don't, but if you do, there's a ton of tactics in that episode on how to navigate that. Tom brings his wisdom from his executive coaching clients and and how he's helped clients navigate that. In addition, we also talked a bunch about narcissism in that episode. And that's something that, unfortunately, a lot of us run into in organizations with some leaders. So that's episode 164. And then finally, one of my favorite episodes we've ever aired was when Tom was on episode 190, How to Improve Your Coaching Skills. And he goes through two analogies. And that episode that I just think are masterful at understanding coaching. And I think about them almost, if not daily, I certainly think about them weekly when I'm coaching others. Again, that's episode 190. The way to get to all the former episodes, coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. I hope that you will check those out as well. And I think they'll be very helpful to you in your ongoing development as a leader. And speaking of ongoing development, next week, I'm so thrilled to welcome... Brian Robertson to the show. He is the founder of Holacracy. Some of you have heard about Holacracy. It's a new system for self-organization in organizations. If you're interested in learning more, I hope you will tune in next week for episode 258. And also a big thank you to Matt for the kind review on iTunes. Matt uh, wrote on his iTunes review, not only Has the show been helpful to him, but he's also recommended it to his boss? Uh, Matt, thank you. If your boss is listening, thank you so much as well. It is, uh, you know, it's such an honor to get notes from folks all over the world, not only that you're listening, but that you've recommended the show to others. I I can't think of a greater compliment to my work. Thank you so much. If you'd like to leave a review as well, coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. Have a fabulous week and see you next Monday.